from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Matt Cowart, I'm a director. Jersey Gwizdowski, I'm an actor. Jennifer Kirkman, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a writer and director. Uh, this is going to be the fifth and final in our five-part series on the stages of rehearsal. Uh, we've already done episodes on table work, exploration, staging, and the run-work sections of rehearsal. And in this last episode, we're going to combine actually two sections of rehearsal, one of which actually, in many cases, does not happen in many processes, uh, but the technical rehearsals, wherein all of the design elements are brought into and integrated into the play, and the preview process, which does not happen uh, for every production, but in some productions there are several performances that happen in front of an audience before the show opens, where there's still opportunity and still rehearsals to make adjustments to the show uh, based on the experience of doing it in front of an audience. So to start off, uh, let's begin with talking about technical rehearsals. As a director, how much are you going in to figure out and discover how you want the technical elements to work? And to what degree is it about executing choices you have already made ahead of time? For me, it really depends on uh, the exact process, although and it depends on how much tech time you have. So in a process where you only have a day or two or three of tech, often with the designers before you're even in tech with the actors, uh, you have what's called dry tech, where you literally sit around with paper on the table and you go through the show from cue to cue, set move to set move, transition to re transition, and lay out what the show will be so that when the actors are there, you're not figuring it out for the first time, but you already have a very definitive game plan. Uh, and even in situations where you have two weeks of tech, I think that dry tech in a show with the lighting designer, set designer, sound designer, costume designer are, is a really important part of the process. So that when you're in the room with everyone, uh, you are executing the first plan with the full acknowledgement that it can evolve and change. Uh, because what maybe felt so good on paper, oh, for this transition we're gonna downlight everybody in this harsh blue. When you finally get there, you realize that isn't serving the moment, so you decide to change the plan. Uh, I think it's really the way that I like to approach tech rehearsals. And I think the idea of the paper tech is also really helpful because the designers and the director and the stage manager can all really create a vocabulary amongst themselves too. So there becomes, when you're talking about a show, there's the shorthand for a certain look, there's a shorthand for the way that you're talking about something working. There's also certainly you have the opportunity where you're not burning hours in the space when they're limited and you don't have a bunch of actors waiting and you aren't you know, staring at a show opening in two or three or four or five days. You know, that you're really able to talk through the reasons for the choices that you're making. Um, and so that when you do get in the room and discover that the harsh blue downlight isn't working the way you thought it would, it's not a matter of starting from scratch, but you will have had the opportunity to talk about why is the harsh blue downlight the plan that we're going with uh, in this moment at the 
paper tech ahead of time, you know, so that you're all starting at least with a clear idea of what we're going for in this moment when you get in the room and discover the hypothesis that you had about this is what I think will get us the effect that we want. Uh, turns out not to be the case, which is, you know, just always the case that there are some things when you get into tech don't look the way you thought they would. Uh, all of a sudden, you're on a set and the person who had been standing inside a, you know, uh, a, a square taped out on the ground to represent something that's six feet off the ground is now actually six feet off the ground in the set and it doesn't have the effect that you imagined that it would given the way the set is set up, you're going to have to adjust for those things. But again, I think the more that the designers and the director and stage manager have talked ahead of time about what their hypothesis is, what the plan is, um, the more effective they'll be able to be in the room. It sounds to me, Kit, like you're saying that something will always go wrong during the process and that the dry tech is a way to prep for that. Um, which I, which really sounds, I mean, that's, that, that's incredibly, incredibly smart. And I think similarly to the other episodes in which we discuss all the other stages of rehearsal, you can't necessarily know what all the answers are going to be. You can come into the process knowing what potential answers may be, which very will likely be the answers that you come out with at the end of the process. You also know what the questions are that still require an answer, and you also know what the overarching goal is for a moment. Like we know this moment needs to highlight this, for example. We don't know what is going to be in place or what is going to work once we have everything together in the context of this entire show. But we know that that's what the goal of this moment is going to be. So it's aligning yourself and knowing you might not necessarily have all the answers, but that you definitely have the questions and the goals articulated. And hopefully, an answer that you oh, think and is and going answer, to work. Yes. And, and sometimes actually it's really helpful, especially in tricky moments, to come in with an answer and a backup answer or two um, if things don't look the way that you imagine they're going to once you get in the space. Now, since technical rehearsals are largely about integrating you know, the technical elements of the show, the design elements of the show, with the performance element of the show that you've been rehearsing over time, it is on its surface in very, in very many ways about the director working with the designers. As a matter of fact, in our last episode, we talked a bit about the idea that um, the run-work section of rehearsal is very often the last time the actors and director really get to work together, you know, in terms of building a performance. But what is it as actors um, that uh, you're looking to do when you're in a uh, technical rehearsal? I think a big part of it for me is figuring out how everything about the world of the play fits in with the performance that I've been trying to build. And also recognizing that this is a part of the process where a whole, a whole a huge group of collaborators that I may not have met before this have stepped into the process and realizing that whatever work I need to do to make sure that I'm not losing momentum from the rehearsal the rehearsals we've had up to this point, um, it's it's my work to do quietly and patiently and flexibly, and that I feel like when I come out at the other end of the tech process, I I want to have a sense of where my 
where my character fits into the world of the play, and then my actor self, how things function backstage, all of the little technical things that I'm responsible for, making sure I know where, where I need to be to make a quick change, find my props, all of those things so that, that I can kind of check off my to-do list of technical elements as well, and then be able to integrate all of that into my performance. And I think that that idea uh, also of really being aware of what you need to be doing to execute technical things, where you've got a cross, how you need to get where you're going, that it is something that I think uh, just part of the nature of the beast is that there's a lot of actors standing around a lot of the time at tech while we've looked at something once and now they need to move a light and now they need to have a whole conversation. you know, I mean, it's just part of the animal, but that idea to try as an actor to use that time as best you can. Uh, because it is something that, and it happens so often, that you've had two or three days of actors having a lot of standing around and sitting around and sitting in the audience time, because that's part of what we're doing, but then it comes time to run it, and somebody misses their entrance, and the answer is, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I had to go all the way downstairs to get there. You know, those are things that I think it's really helpful if an actor is using the tech time um, to look ahead to those sorts of problems and see if they can solve them independently with a lot of the free time they're going to have, um, you know, before, you know, for the things like that that they can solve independently. Yeah. I mean, the, the exciting thing and the challenging thing about going in as an actor to tech rehearsal is, you, you know, you have the stuff. You, get, you have the floor and you have the lights and you have the things that are going to populate your world that you have an opportunity to interact with for maybe the first time, often the first time. You know, in the case of some, you might have had some of these props earlier in rehearsal or your shoes or certain costume elements. But this is really a time when all of that is coming together and you're essentially taking the work that you've built in the rehearsal room and developing the relationship if this is the apartment that's your apartment you know this is the place and this is what it's going to be so either uh and and solving those problems on your own too i think is important knowing okay this is going to be a step down here so i need to figure out how i can do that piece of stage business while i'm aware of the fact that i'm stepping down and doing do your due diligence and also trying to make it work and then also being aware of the fact that like at some sometimes you need to say, I can't do this thing that I'm supposed to do because of this thing that's here, you know, um, and, and negotiating that as well and finding the appropriate time to do that. But in terms of what the goals are coming in, it's to take that work that you've been doing and really bring it into where the show is going to be happening. There are numerous tools at your disposal that are the final form of, of what the things are going to be in all likelihood and or over the course of this process will be reaching their final form and, and, and setting in the way that... Um, that you're a part of to either collaborate with or to make work with the way that they need to be. And there's something really exciting about sometimes you stand on stage while lights get focused around you for two hours and then suddenly they back up a little bit and they they raise the light cue that you're going to be working in and it opens up a whole other part of your imagination that you you hadn't really had access to yet to to say oh this is what the lights feel like in the woods in the middle of the night and it it helps to to feed all of the choices you've already been working on yeah I mean, you're going to get a chance, you don't know what it's necessarily going to be, to work on the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, whether it's the entrance 
And, you know, this thing used to be a piece of tape on the floor, and now it's a door, and there's this vase next to it, and there are these lights, and I'm stepping up onto this thing, and I get to do it 30 times and really work on what that moment is, you know? Because really, in a lot of ways, you know, people aren't paying that much attention to you <laughs> in terms of the, what you're doing there. So you can really try stuff and work it out and find the way, as Kit was saying earlier, to really take it on yourself the, the responsibility of making your work work in this environment because that's essentially what you've been doing the entire time. Yeah, and I mean, I really love at a technical rehearsal you look around and you see, you know, the actors, you know, they have to stand in a spot because they're focusing lights around them, but you sort of see that they're, you know, moving around in the new costume that they've just gotten today, taking the jacket off, you know, and they're using that time to kind of get accustomed and learn what they need to learn about their stuff. I actually have a very vivid memory that I, I love of doing a show where there was a uh, an actor was sitting at their desk and we had them sit there while we were focusing around the, uh, on them, but while we were focusing the lights on them, um, they were going, he was picking up the phone, he was leaning back in the chair, he was looking at the props that were on the desk, and really taking the moment as long as he had to sit at that desk for 15 minutes while we were building a queue around him, he really used it to kind of acclimate himself uh, to that set and really make that desk into his own desk. Um, you know, so that there is a point where he, where he answers the phone, but he really had figured out this specific phone with the specific weight, you know, that it was something that it was just great to see him using the time, you know, as, as much as possible. Because it is part of the reality of it that I think people need to embrace about the tech that just because tech costs money to be in the theater that you're paying rent on, to have rented the lights that are hanging, to have built the set, to be able to have hired everyone to be there on the same day. You know, that there's a lot of ways in which as an actor and a director, you've had three or four or five weeks to be in a room where basically the expenses pay you for your time, if they're paying you for your time, and pay for a room for you to be in. And you can do all sorts of work, but because of the expense of it, there's an awful lot of people that are being asked to do a huge amount of their work in a very compressed amount of time. And that idea of trying as an actor to have the focus, you know, to have the awareness that you're, because it sometimes can feel like and be kind of a pain that you feel like, okay, I'm literally just standing in one spot for 45 yeah. minutes. But you're standing in one spot for 45 minutes seems like forever, and I guarantee you to the lighting designer who has to get all of these cues in two days, that 45 minutes, believe me, he wishes it was shorter than 45 minutes too. <laughs> you know, and um, you know that idea of just understanding that that's the situation, and again, understanding that you can use that time that you have to make everything easier if you can troubleshoot for yourself rather than discovering in the run I'm gonna you know catch myself on that hook as I go by to have spotted it because you're actually looking around and seeing the set and be able to point it out and address it before it interrupts a run right and I will say I think given the 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 stakes of everything that's happening the the default the most useful default uh, position is always how can I make this work over the course of a tech given the time constraints given the number of people that are all there to do their job and if there's something that you feel like needs to be addressed 
that that is invariably something, you know, a wise man once said, you know, something is always going to go wrong over the course of a process. And during the tech time, you still have the opportunity to catalog that stuff and to address it. But I, I, for me, anyway, my, I, I, I find it most useful to take note of it and then address it later, to not take the time that is being used while we have the, the lighting designer in town before she has to go do her other show or while, you know, any of these things are happening. Like, there will be other time when the actors will be focused on all of the other time during rehearsal, except this this period. So let you know. So you can catalog that and then bring it to you know to your director at a, at, a, at a time when there aren't a thousand things going on. But the most useful position is always at, at a default. How can I work with this? How can I make this not a thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Jersey. What I really hear you saying is. Uh like as an actor, how do I self-solve? And I love in tech when you're in a moment and I see the actor figuring out three moments ahead mm -hmm. so when we get there, we don't have to hold for this moment where the actor has to negotiate the stairs for the first time because we're gonna be holding for lights anyway. Uh, and that's just a, uh, I mean, I'm hearing you say that knowing that your job is to not be the one holding mm -hmm. because there are so many other elements that are going to have to stop anyway. And the thing, the idea that, the self-solving I like a lot, you know, that idea that if you do have to hold, rather than hold to point out a problem, to hold to say, instead of going around the chair like I have been, can I come downstage of it instead? I think that will, you know, to, to offer a solution rather than just point out a problem is, is a terrific thing to be able to do. I think we've all been in you know, text with an actor who seems to make their goal to demonstrate that nothing was prepared to their specific needs of their track in the show. So every time is, that something comes up, it's, I'm sorry, this is here, there is a chair here, what is, is somebody going to do something about this chair? Versus figuring it out and being, you know, one of the dozens of collaborators involved in the production and, and, and let it, let it uh, be part of the solution. Well, and there are plenty of times when you get to the first run through you get to do with tech. There will be stopping and starting, or maybe it will not be a stopping and starting kind of a run. You'll go straight through, but lights will be coming up and you'll be in blackout half the time and different technical elements will be going on. But as an actor, you really want to be able to get as much out of that run through of integrating everything and taking the journey of the of the play in all of those rehearsals so you're doing yourself a favor as well as all of your collaborators if you can identify all of the all of the solutions to all of the problems you can find in advance when you have that time standing on stage so that then the rest of the tech process can be as useful for you in your acting choices and putting the play together as as it possibly can be yeah it was during the uh, the acting on camera versus acting on stage episode that we talked about like it's a it's like a tech rehearsal that you really want to, you 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 don't want to be the person that blows the take right so you're going to go in and do your job and everything's will be happening around you but really everything you can do to keep keep doing the work that you're doing is going to eliminate a potential stoppage or problem or disaster and the more you can self-solve as you're going and think a couple of steps ahead while you're waiting in the light for 45 minutes what is the next moment what's the next speed what's the next scene how do I get off of the stage 
oh, I need to be taking my coat with me, so I need to think of there's a closet there now that it used to just be a coat sitting on a chair in the rehearsal room, so I need to make sure I know how to navigate what that is and thinking ahead in a way that will, you, you can use that 45 minutes that you're standing alone in any number of ways that can be really useful. And including if you're not standing alone, but if you're standing with your scene partner, if you're not totally locked down on your lines, you might as well be running the lines of your scene while you're standing there and having them light around you. Yeah. Another thing that's really important to me as an actor in tech is to have a sense of when it's my turn in rehearsal to recognize that um, there are all of these moving parts and all of these things we're talking about, about self-solving, are things that I need to be doing quietly and taking note of on my own and knowing when is the appropriate time to take the most important one to the director or maybe the one that I can't solve myself. Uh, knowing when to raise an issue if it's a safety concern and knowing when not to raise an issue um, and making sure that I recognize that the way that I fit into the rehearsal and help the rehearsal move forward is to kind of step back and be patient and realize that I'm not the most important person or action in the room at this point in the process. It's, it is important to remember, I think as I said earlier, you know, this is the culmination of that work in the rehearsal room that you've been doing, but it's also the culmination of the work that every other member of the creative team has been doing and we're all being thrown into the same place at the same time. That the, all the you know, we've been in the rehearsal room for two and a half weeks, but the set designer and the technical director have been working on putting this thing together that we're going to be doing the play on for longer than that. And the director has been coordinating all of these things at the same time. So to recognize that you're, you know, have been, this is the culmination of this process for you, but I think it is a much uh, more significant point in the process for a larger number of the creative team. I also think along with that, something that I just think is philosophically important for everyone to embrace, including the actors, is the idea of tech really is about integrating these elements together. And I do think, and especially because the actors have been rehearsing it for several weeks and you know, every day in rehearsal, their stage manager is sending notes to the designers to say, oh, now he needs an overcoat and now he there needs to be an apple inside the basket. And all of these things are there because of the discoveries that uh, the actors made in rehearsal. There sometimes can be, and I think it's the thing you were talking about, Jersey, with you know people walking around and pointing out the things that do not fit their specific specifications, but think that it's the job of the technical elements to lay themselves on top of the the acting work. But that really isn't the case. I mean, hopefully people have been paying attention, people are integrating, but the designers and uh, the technical crews have been off and doing their own work outside of the site of the actors. And it really is time again to take a look at the acting work and directing work you've done, the design work that's happening, and find the way to bring them together, to find the way. And what's going to happen is sometimes they're going to have to adjust the lights for you, sometimes they're going to have to make the chair shorter, but sometimes you're going to have to not sit on the line where you were going to sit before because the sight lines are blocked now that we're in the now that we're in the theater. And just that idea that we're all here to integrate these things together and everyone's going to have to give a little bit of what their ideal plan was in order to make the whole thing work uh, the best that it can. 
So a lot of that has to do with the things that an actor can do in a rehearsal, uh, technical rehearsal, to help it go as efficiently as possible. Um, what are the things that a director can do um, to help make a technical rehearsal as productive as it can be? I know for myself that I, it's important for me to know where my focus is supposed to be for that portion of the day. So, you know, for example, uh, knowing when to stop for a note and when to just take the note. You know, that as you go through the first pass with lights and set and sound, nothing is ever going to be perfect. And having the awareness of, you know, the line designer, the sound designer, the set designer, they are doing their job for the first time and everybody's watching them. Uh, it would be like, you know, an audience coming into like the third rehearsal and expecting to see something perfect. Uh, and knowing when it's time to, uh, to stop and try to begin because it's not right or not close, and knowing when, oh, that will get better as we go, we really should be pushing forward. And then similarly, you know, we keep talking about this 45 minutes where an actor's standing alone on stage with a light being focused on them. Uh, you know, knowing, well, is that the time where I'm next to the designer talking about the next couple cues? Or is his face, you know, in the screen and talking to the focus guy? So this is 45 minutes I can spend talking to that actor about a couple things that we didn't address in the last run. Uh, or is it time for me to talk to the set designer about the 10 notes I've taken about paint notes on the set? Or, you know what, that chair is too tall for that person. We need to shorten the legs by six inches. So it really kind of comes back to that time management thing about knowing what you can do when so that you're not, you're not sitting around twiddling your thumbs waiting on that light to be focused. You can be using the time uh, more effectively. Also, uh, I think a huge part of tech is about knowing when to integrate what element when. Anytime you throw something new into the show, whether it's the set or lights or sound or costumes, things come to a screeching halt as those elements are dealt with for the first time. Uh, and so I always try to, within our tech time, even if it's you know two days or three days, uh, divide it up so that you know, before we even start working with lights, we do four hours of spacing with just the actors. So that the, you know, the, the crew is not sitting around watching me say, no, you need to be a little further upstage. Actually, can you be downstage of the chair now that we're in the house, it looks a little different. Uh, so that then the next day when we start incorporating lighting, they're not holding for me and the actors to try and make sure the sight lines work. Uh, and then similarly, that the first time when we are doing lights for the first time, I, we normally don't, or I normally don't integrate costumes yet because A, that kills an hour of the day because you have to have half hour in to close and half hour out. But also, again, it's not the thing that we are focusing on for that period of time. So for this first 10 out of 12, we are only going to worry about lights and then we'll incorporate costumes tomorrow. Again, if you, in the same way that you, you know, through the stages of rehearsal, it's about taking one step at a time and not trying to throw everything into the same day uh, and really segmenting out tech in the same way, I think ultimately allows you to get more accomplished in the same amount of time. And I think that idea that's important about looking back at the other phases of rehearsal that, I mean, it's something we've talked about several times in the earlier episodes about each phase of rehearsal is really about getting ready for the next phase. And really, there's so much of what you've done as a director and as a cast 
that's leading up to this phase of rehearsal where you really bring everything together. And I think that there's a lot of what it takes to make a tech rehearsal run really well is actually the stuff that's happened before the tech rehearsal. That certainly is the night before that you've really sat down and looked at your schedule and looked at your script and looked at what's gonna need to happen and really have a plan, really have a clear idea of how you're gonna run the rehearsal the next day. At the beginning of the day, make sure everybody knows what that plan is so that everyone can make their own plans within that context. But then taking a step back, it's also about the paper tech that we talked about before, so that all the designers and all of the technical team understands what it is that we're trying to achieve here. But even taking it further back, that idea of all of the work that we've talked about in the earlier phases, so that people understand what a moment is about. People understand what we're trying to do in each moment and why a moment has become what it is, so that A, if a lighting designer says, you know what, this would be really great, can you just bring them six feet downstage? Sometimes the answer is sure, that's no problem. Sometimes the answer is that's actually a real problem because of what we're trying to do in this moment. And if you've had a rehearsal process that's really about, well, we're just gonna kind of get up and work and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of do more of the stuff that seems to be working well and, you know, not really having the kind of you know disciplined process that we've been talking about about really giving room to explore but then also really making really specific choices as a director and as an actor and agreeing on what the choices are and why they're there a it becomes difficult it would become difficult for the director to decide whether or not that kind of a change is going to affect something or not um, I mean, the hope would be, because those sorts of requests happen all the time in tech, that, you know, you are, that you're going to have a, a quick answer to whether or not it would be disruptive to make that kind of a change. But also, so that you as the director, certainly the actors, and hopefully, definitely the stage manager, and hopefully the designers who've been part of that discussion too, have a clear idea of what this moment is about. So the lights aren't working like we thought they were going to work. What is it going to be that, again, we're not beginning, we're not inventing the wheel from scratch or reinventing the wheel? <laughs> you know, but there's something that we've all agreed this moment is about, and so we can start solving the problem of if it's not going to be about that in the way we hypothesized it would be walking into the day, what is the way we can make the moment about that instead of standing around and trying to figure out what the moment should be about? What I value are the opportunities in terms of a, the way a director helps a tech process run efficiently. Well, I can't really speak to, but um, the ways in which I've valued things that a director has given me to prepare me for that phase of the process as an actor. Uh, the opportunity to do like a spacing rehearsal in the space on the set, or even at the very least, or not even at the very least, but just from a different lens, a walkthrough of the space so that I'm not going in blind to be expected to have, you know, solutions to problems and be a self-solver and all this great stuff. If you have the opportunity to canvas the space that you're going to be in and do a little bit of recon um, and know, okay, this is an important moment. There's a combat bit around this door and I know I have to make this really quick cross or I have a quick change over here. You can really navigate the backstage area and you can do that spacing and realize, oh wow, I'm going to be up on this platform that's three feet higher than you when we're doing the scene or whatever the case may be. Um, so that you can, while you may not be pointing out all the problems on the set, 
you might be cataloging ways in which you can potentially solve things once you're in the tech process. So that's kind of a really useful tool that the director can give me as a collaborator and the director as the person who is the, the holder of the flame for all of the various creative uh, team members in the process to set me up to be able to be the most prepared that I can be when tech is happening. And I think uh, along with that, I mean, that brings up something I think is really important, which is the director's role as leader, too, the one who's holding the flame for everyone. But, you know, that there is just that idea that they are the person who everyone is looking to. And tech is always a very high stakes and high pressure time. It just is. Even when you're doing it right, even when you're doing it under optimal circumstances, you're talking about, you know, there's X amount of money being put in here, but certainly you are trying to do usually five days of work in three days or 10 days of work in seven days. However many days you have, you're almost always trying to do more days of work in it. And that idea of being sure as a director, again, that you've got a plan you've laid out the plan people understand that you're that you have that you're in control of what's uh, going on in the day but also that you're calm and collected and that things aren't a problem it is just something that in the big picture will keep everybody at ease and everybody working at their best much more than being then pacing around or yelling because the lights didn't come up when they were supposed to. It just is something that is fairly simple, but I, I think is probably the single most important thing anyone in that room can do is to be the person who's keeping everybody feeling like things are under control and everything is going to be okay. Uh, yes, I, I feel a little bit like... Uh you know what you were saying, kid, about like, you know, uh, your director shouldn't be like running around yelling about things that are going wrong. A, a little bit, I mean, I totally agree, because you don't want to be the director who cried wolf. When something is a really big deal, you need to be able to say, I have been calm. This is a huge deal. We have to fix this problem. And if you've been yelling about the fact that the lights, the cabling in the grid looks terrible, they're not going to believe you when you say this is actually a real thing that everyone around this table has to put their attention on because this has to change. Uh, you know, if you, you really only get like one of those. <laughs> uh, and so you don't want to waste it on something trivial. And there's an element of safety involved in that as well, that I've been in tech rehearsal processes with shouting directors. And there are times when something, when, when something is flying in that shouldn't be flying in, when somebody is actually physically in danger. And that's sort of the crying wolf version of that, that you have to know that when somebody shouts into the, the God mic, that this is, this is to be taken seriously, that this isn't a tantrum. Yeah, I mean, also the, for me, that, that idea of, uh, you know, shouting into the God mic, I think it's very important to, in a tech, establish who stops the action. Uh, I've been in techs that are disastrous because the line designer's yelling hold, the stage manager's yelling hold, the director or the choreograph choreographer's on the God mic yelling hold. You know, it can traditionally be the stage manager, it can also be the director, but there needs to be a clear chain of command so that it's not 30 people going, hold, 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 that there's one person that stops the action of the play for a very specific reason. Uh, 
I think is very important so that chaos doesn't ensue. I also think that uh, the role of the stage manager is incredibly important, which we should talk about, but also the role of the director in handing over the reins of the show to the stage manager in the uh, technical rehearsals is incredibly important because ultimately once the show is open, the stage manager runs the show. I actually was very surprised talking to somebody who went to the theater a lot uh, relatively recently who was surprised by the fact that the director did not continue to come to the theater after the show was open. But the director is generally out of the picture. They might come back every few weeks to take a look at it and give some notes. But other than that, it's the, the stage manager that runs the show day to day. And I think in terms of it's important looking forward to the process for the director to let the stage manager you know, run the day because they really are the ones who are in actuality. It's the director who is really overseeing the creative design of everything coming together. But it's really the stage manager who is the one who's ultimately responsible for the technical execution of all of that. And, you know, that idea not only about looking forward and handing over, beginning to hand over control of the stage manager is helpful, but I also think it sends a real sign to everyone on the team about where the priority is shifting. You know, that the director doesn't need to be the one with the god mic to send his booming voice over everyone. You know, that that's something that, yes, perhaps once the action is stopped and they need to explain how they want something to move differently, yes, but that they don't need to be the ones marching everybody around. And, I mean, I actually know, you know, I actually very explicitly during uh, a, the first technical rehearsal we will say we're going to work but really this is Jenny's rehearsals from now on and literally step aside and you know say that the, the that that I think that there's something that's very helpful about that um, psychologically for everyone but also candidly as you said Matt there is no one way that technical rehearsals run um, sometimes the director does remain in tight control of it and it's very important to be sure that everybody knows who is the person who's the field general uh, during the uh, during the technical rehearsal. Yeah, I, I feel like another beyond the uh, the psychological element of like handing the reins over to the person who will run the day to day of the show from that point on. Uh, there's also for me a very practical concern, whereas sometimes there is a complicated transition happening backstage that you know, the director is unaware of because I've been looking at this light, that when we're running from point A to point B, there's four quick changes happening, that they have to time out this one time. And the stage manager, who is on headset with every other person, is very aware of all of those things. And often, as the director, I know that I'm not aware of that because it's all what's happening backstage, and I am blissfully ignorant so that I can put all of my attention uh, onto what's happening in front of me. Uh, so to, you know, to suddenly yell out hold because something I didn't like happened uh, could really you know, put something that was happening backstage into a tailspin or even worse, be a safety hazard if they were like loading wagons of scenery to come in for the next thing. Uh, so I think it's really important to allow the stage manager to be the person who is making those calls. Yeah, and that also is never, ever, ever fight the stage manager on that. You know, where it is something that, you know, sometimes something will happen and you know, so one person's supposed to be calling hold, somebody else calls it instead. I mean, 
things like that happen. But if you're a director where you want to stop something, they say, hold on, and the stage manager says, no, keep going, you fold your hands in your lap and you find out after the stage manager stops, calls hold, why it was that they wanted to keep going. I am in constant awe of the job that stage managers do. I mean, A, that they do it once and want to ever do it again. <laughs> um, because of, of all of that, that essentially they're the, you know, that's the, you know, the, the, the sausage making. They're the ones that are seeing like the ugliest and most complicated part of the process. And the director just gets to put a little mustard on it at the end, you know. <laughs> um, but I know the, the most efficient and most talented and most in control and most communicative and best prepared stage managers that I've worked with in the downtowniest, off, off, off Broadwayiest shows have gone on to have wonderful careers because there, there is a stressful job. It's a job that requires a number of different types of skills all to be happening at the same time. An extensive amount of work, an extensive amount of patience, organization. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a really difficult, impressive, phenomenal job that really is what makes everything tick. So be nice to them and also get out of their way when there's something that is important that, that really needs to happen. Um, because, you know, they're really more aware in terms of the, the doing of the show, which is what you're working on during a tech rehearsal. They're really more aware of, of every aspect of that than anybody else in the room. And I think something that, that goes along with that, that I think everybody needs to respect the fact that it's the technical rehearsals are about organizing the execution of the technical elements as well as just finalizing the design of it. Um, you know, that that's something that a director, for instance, may be delighted because that sequence looked terrific and he or she is ready to move on. But, I mean, I just think the director should always say to the stage manager, are you ready to move on? Because sometimes, yes, it looked great, but everyone who was involved in that transition felt very lucky about the fact that it happened to fall into place and they really need to run it again. And I do, believe me, I understand as a director where you're looking at your watch and you're like, but it looked good, we can move on. You need to trust the stage manager when they tell you it looked good this time. There is no telling how it will look next time if we don't go back and run it again. The stage manager has been preparing for tech since day one of rehearsal. That really, the stage manager is the one that's been cataloging every change, every prop adjustment, every entrance and exit, every blocking moment, every uh, every type of every adjustment. You know, uh, that continues to change during tech. That is, that's what your stage manager is bringing into tech, and is essentially armed with all of the information about the technical elements of the show and, and going into uh, into battle to help make it work. And the stage manager has been in rehearsal and is armed with virtually all of the artistic elements of the show mm -hmm. as well. Fact. And that's something I know I've said in earlier episodes about you know people working with a director that sometimes you need to understand and trust that the director knows things you don't know. The person who knows more than the director is the stage manager. You know, that, that especially once you get into tech, just everybody needs to defer to the judgment of the stage manager. And, you know, if a director has an issue with the way that a stage manager is, is running rehearsals, they should talk to them. 
Absolutely, because the director absolutely has all sorts of right to see the uh, technical rehearsal run in the way they need it to. But they should talk to them privately. Frankly, even if the stage manager they think is doing a terrible job, you still do it privately because ultimately the consistency of the show that you have put together is going to depend on your stage manager having the authority after you're gone um, to keep the show running the way that it was built to run. What about the things that uh, designers can do uh, to help a technical rehearsal run smoothly? I think there's something similar to one of the things I was saying about actors, recognizing when it's their turn. Um, something you said, Matt, about today's the day where we're going to add the costumes, and, but you know, tomorrow we're going to work on adding in the, the lighting cues or whatever the order of operations might be for the particular process. But um, recognizing, from, from my perspective as an actor too, recognizing that I'm in a room with a group of designers who are all there and they're working on independent problem solving the same way that I am, um, but also knowing when it's time for them to you know, speak up and participate more actively in this piece of the day. Yes. I mean, one thing that I really love to see, uh, like really fantastic set designers I've worked with, you know, you'll be on that 45 minute hold for lights. And as soon as they call hold and the, the designer knows he's gonna have 15 or 20 minutes, he's up on the set tweaking a piece of set dressing or addressing that note I gave him five minutes ago that he knows he can get done in this amount of time or you know, tweaking the placement of the chair. Uh, you know, again, using their own time efficiently and knowing when they can, oh, now is my time to do my job uh, kind of a thing. I think is something I'm always really impressed by uh, the way really excellent designers will use every possible minute that they have. Or like a lighting designer uh, who, you know, if, if I'm doing that spacing rehearsal, I'll often say to the lighting designer, feel free to come to that rehearsal and light over us. It can never go dark on stage, but you can be with us and rough in cues. Um, yeah, again, it's what you were saying about an actor, knowing when it's my time to, to speak up or to to say we need to stop for this, in the same way designers have to have the same sensibility yeah. of knowing when it's appropriate. And also to know when to exert their authority. I mean, because there there are times when, you know, a director can say, can we do the, can we do this? And sometimes the answer is, can we look at that tomorrow? Because that actually, it's going to take, a, it's an adjustment that we can do after we've sent the actors home, but it's gonna take 20 minutes to do right now, and it's not the best use of time. The fact of the matter is, I mean, you hope that a director has a basic understanding of the way different design elements uh, work, but ultimately the designer is the expert on, uh, on, on what it's going to take to do their thing, and sometimes they need to step up and be the expert about it. I really love working with, I mean, great designers are always great, I mean, and great actors and great, you know, people that are wonderful, their jobs are always great. <laughs> um, but uh, a, a props master that's really... Um, efficient and, and uh, prepared during rehearsal, but also rolls with the punches. Because I think, in a way, everybody is at a, a, a meeting point between the director and the actors and the play and, you know, all the elements of the show. But the props master is really dealing with the actors, I think, a, a bit more. 
Um, and so I, I think I love getting to that part of the rehearsal process when something needs to change or needs to be adjusted because something invariably is going to go wrong uh, during the process that the props master is in a unique position to work with the director in terms of what it needs to be but also with the actor in, in terms of this is for a specific thing how is that working is there a way that that can change in order to um, to help the process go on and I, I, I recently worked with this wonderful um, uh, props design, prop, prop master and, and she did that exact thing and it was really exciting to see the efficiency with which all of the problems were solved and also the smart way in which they were attacked that allowed them to be solved efficiently. I think there's something unique, potentially unique, um, in the costume designer's job as well. I think it goes, it goes backwards way before tech because I think it, as an actor and working with many, many actors, I've seen how a costume is a very personal part of the, the play and the process. And actors can get really worked up about their costumes, either their functionality or the aesthetic or the comfort or whatever the case may be. And the I feel like the costume designer has some degree of psychologist role um, <laughs> that, that starts well before, but also um, coming into tech, having built a relationship with the actors a little bit in the shop, built, built a relationship with the, um, well, built the costumes in a way and asked the questions of the actors in a way that the costumes are functional so that um, the costume designer can head off a lot of anxiety, I think, before and during tech. That's very true. I think I, I, I'm that way about props and the way that <laughs> other actors are about costumes for some reason. But I know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's the first time you kind of see what a technical element is going to look like. It's often your costume fitting and, and then the process between that and tech is one of those other parallel creative tracks that are all converging on the stage in the house, you know, that tech week or tech weekend or tech six hours or whatever the nature of the shows that you're working on and to be a prepared but also to know what terrain you're on as a designer can I can only imagine is the is the most useful thing you can do to prepare and I think that gets into with designers similar to directors so much of of what is going to make a successful and productive tech rehearsal day is the preparation you've done for it ahead of time. And, you know, to come in with a plan and to come in with a backup plan in case your initial plan doesn't work. And also, which I think is important, especially when you're working, you know, at sort of the at the college level and the off-off-Broadway level, is to be really realistic about the load-in and hang time that you actually need because that's something that, you know, I it, it takes time to load in a set. It takes time to hang lights. But I've also seen uh, many cases where, um, you know, the designer says, well, you know what, I, I can get the show hung in five hours. You can call the actors at one and I'll have the lights up. And then the actors come at one and the lights aren't up until four. And, you know, it's it's not anybody's fault. That's how long it took, uh, took to get up. But especially given the rigor of the technical days that are coming up, it probably would have been better to have called the actors at 3.30 to be in costume for four rather than at one to feel anxious about the fact that they're waiting around for two hours, you know. 
it's just a matter of being realistic and uh, and and for the director and the stage manager and the and the producer to understand that sometimes these things take more time. Sometimes you wish, yes, you could just walk into the theater and all the lights would be hung and focused, but that's not the way it works. No, yeah, also not to rush the process of hanging the lights for your show, which is incredibly important and should be done safely in the right way. And you know, saves not to put time later. In, you know, that you're not re, that you're you know you're making adjustments rather than doing major refocuses right. when you've got the actors on the stage. Yeah, yeah. I also think two things that are important for all of those people to keep in mind is one the idea of setting priorities and just again you have a finite amount of time in the space and it is possible to obsess over the precision of a single cue and then you're in a position where the last 30 cues of the show you just are putting up whatever you're able to get up and you know that idea of 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 just of, of having a sense of priority of you know the idea of doing drafts of tech we're going to get the whole show in a good shape we're going to get the another pass we're getting it in better shape and in better shape and in better shape rather than trying to put up a final draft uh, from the very beginning and sometimes the reality of we had this fantastic idea for the sequence of lighting cues that would be a great great idea if we had another full day of tech but we don't and again you're better off with the choice of something that's simpler that works well and is effective rather than something that would have been a great idea if it worked but never quite does and the other is uh, thing that's a thought for everyone and is a challenging thing just to it's an easy thing to say but a harder thing to do but that idea of really endeavoring to keep in the mindset of finding creative solutions to problems because technical rehearsals can, can very easily fall into a place where it's about putting out fires hopefully not literally although that has happened um, but but that idea of we're just going to take something that isn't working and make it not a problem rather than take something that isn't working and turn it into something that works in an exciting way perhaps a different way than the way that you thought it was going to work but an exciting way that supports what you're trying to do with, with the piece and with the moment, which is another reason why I think it's really important that throughout the rest of the process, if you've been really clear about what each of the moments are, rather than saying that lighting cue didn't work, what can we do to make it better? That The answer to that is very simply, you know what, let's just not have a cue there. But if the thing is that this is the moment where we need to understand that he finally recognizes that he's actually his father, okay, what we thought would do that isn't working, but what can we do? What is the creative solution we can find um, you know, to, to get that effect? But I think a big part of it is that idea of finding a creative solution. But you've got to be clear on what the problem is before you can find a creative solution. Otherwise, you're just trying to get through the day. Let's talk relatively briefly about previews. And briefly only because, candidly, it is not especially often, even in the professional world, that you have previews for shows. 
Um, most, uh, again, previews are places where you have invited an audience in and an audience pays to come and see the show, but the show isn't officially open, it's not being reviewed yet, um, and there are rehearsals during the day where the director and actors and designers uh, and stage manager can work together to improve the show. Uh, how often do you guys find, um, you know, because you all have worked... Um, you know, extensively professionally, how often do you find that you get previews and, and how many do you usually get when you get them? Well, I always ask for previews. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like a, I always ask, are the, do we have any previews? Because they are invaluable to uh, helping shape and refine and craft the show. To be able to, you know, the audience is kind of the last piece of the puzzle. And to think that you get the last piece and you're done? No, you get the last piece and you get to keep working. Um, especially for like new plays, comedies, musicals. Uh, you know, the audience uh, in a comedy or any of those is such an integral part of the experience for the actors. Uh, to in, w When I am in situations where you know, we went from final dress where it was 20 of our closest friends to we're open and we can't make any changes, it doesn't feel like you got the most out of what was possible. You know, that being said, if you're working at the highest possible scale, you can have three, four weeks of previews. I often try and like beg, borrow, and steal two or three, which can make a huge difference uh, in the way a show comes off. And also, I find in the mentality of the cast and crew going into first performances, to be able to call something a preview with the understanding for ourselves that we are in the middle of a work in process is so different than final dress, critics, uh, which is just a, a huge like psychological pressure on everybody in the room. So yay previews. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about well, this is, this is stages of rehearsal, is the series of episodes of the podcast. And really, the next one is performance. I mean, you're taking what we've done in tech, you know, the early stages are preparing you for the next. And then uh, run work is preparing you for the tech. And tech is pre preparing you for performance, for doing the show for an audience and for running it and for having the stage manager be the person who's, who's, who's calling the shots. But having that transitional period is another way to help prepare yourself for the next stage of the process, which I think we've been saying throughout this series is the most important thing you can do is be prepared for what that next stage is. I'm a big proponent of continuing to work to the extent that you can and is appropriate on your work over the course of performances. Um, but during previews, there are still things that are adjusted, can change, can be refined, that you also can get feedback on from your director. Because after previews, that is no longer the case most of the time. Um, that's also the stage at which the director is has another opportunity to pass off the running of the show to the stage manager. Because after that point, you're going to be getting notes from the stage manager, who is a huge part of the... Uh, and has access to all of those moments in rehearsal and all that stuff that happened in rehearsal, but also it's in, a, in very many ways, like that stuff is set after the preview period is over. So what it really is, is a nice little transitional period to develop a relationship with the audience and to see what's working and to 
get it in your bones and in your muscle memory doing the performance. Um, but all it really is is an opportunity that you can use or not use. So whether you have a day or three days or three weeks of previews, you can handle and use them well or you can not use them or mishandle them uh, in a way that isn't productive or isn't useful or doesn't prepare you for the next step, the next stage of what no longer rehearsal, but the next stage of the process, which is performance. I also think that there's something from a director's point of view of how extraordinarily different it is to watch a show with an audience in the room and without an audience. That on one hand, you're certainly as a director in previews, you're taking note of things that are getting a laugh that you didn't think would get a laugh, things that aren't getting a laugh that you thought would, audiences' reactions, places where people start looking at their programs, you know, there's all that sort of stuff that you can do. But for me, that's about 15 or 20 percent of what is happening in a preview. There's just something for me as a director, and I don't know about you guys as directors, but about sitting in an audience of people who have never encountered the show before that just lets you see it in a different light and lets you understand the way moments function in a different way than you had before. And I usually find the things that I'm changing in rehearsal after a preview is less about we need to fix this thing to get a different reaction from the audience than we got last night. I mean, sometimes there's that, especially, Matt, as you said, in a, in a comedy or in a, uh, or in a musical where you're trying to make things land in a specific way. Um, you know, but so much of it is just that process of having watched it with these people. There's just stuff I'm really eager to get in to work on with the actors because I have a new way to talk about it all of a sudden. And I can't explain what it is about that, but there really is something. It's just like I totally understand this thing in a totally different way than I did earlier. And I'll be very candid that it's, it's, it's one of those things that in a preview you watch it and I get excited because I can, because it's like, I know what I can do to make that better and tomorrow we will get in there and make it better. And yet without the preview, a moment that doesn't work, I do think, I wonder if they had hit that a little cleaner if it would have worked. You know, that there's actually, and I don't, I feel like there's something to learn from that. Um, you know, but that idea that if you don't have previews, I tend to have much more determined faith in what we were trying to do. <laughs> than when there's an opportunity to try something different. That experience of, of having directed something and watching it with an audience, I recently had for the first time, and you guys are all in the room for that. Uh, it, was, it was a Cry Havoc open workshop, and it's thrilling and also incredibly exciting and, and in a way that it, it does refocus you on the, on the process of the show in a way, not the pro but the experience of the show in a, in a way that I hadn't expected, in a way I really enjoyed but then made me want to keep working with an audience, you know, made me want to be, you know, in previous, I felt like I was kind of above the water in a certain way that now, okay, now I know how we are working in this next phase and would love to continue to, to see the show in that way, which is really exciting. So, so yes, I like it too. I think as an actor, I've, talked across all of these episodes about how um, building the arc of the play for myself is the thing that I'm working on in various ways across all of these stages. And when you come into tech, you've added in so many new elements and maybe had two dress rehearsals or, or, or something, if you're lucky, <laughs> um, often, to put it all together. And 
the whole process has been um, greatly related to your um, communication with the director and and that sort of leadership and guidance that you you know of, of that particular collaboration and to come straight out of tech into a dress rehearsal where you're hopefully going to make your quick change and have an audience and be open and lose the guidance of the director right at that point feels like you've cut off the process of rehearsal and so to get the chance to have that first preview and get it under your belt and run the show start to finish and take the journey and then get to have another opportunity to go into rehearsal for the next afternoon or even just to get some good solid notes and to do it another time even if you only get to do two or three previews to have that continued guidance at this point of integrating all of it from the director is invaluable to the the launching of the performance process i mean maybe this is cheating but whenever i'm like doing a show that only runs for you know two weekends or three weekends or something i even though we have an opening night we'll talk to the cast as if we are these three weekends are all previews we are going to be working through the whole time and we're going to keep giving notes just because that feels like such an important part of every process. And if it's a situation where, you know, I have to, it's out of town and I leave after opening, I will fight tooth and nail to build myself fake previews so then Final Dress becomes first audience. We're gonna fill the house that night. And I challenge the producers to fill the house. You know, our second to last dress, that's gonna be our final dress. And we're gonna have 50 people there that night. Because I, I do feel it's such an important for everybody involved and the opportunity to see the show through the bald nakedness of there are people around me who have never seen this before and uh, the experience for myself is one of you know when you're in tech and you're watching run-throughs you're caught up in the minutia of the moment to moment but the experience of having strangers sitting next to me watching the show I suddenly am able to zoom out and I am so much more aware of the story as a whole and the way moments sweep and fall into the next uh, and that is the the great treasure of previews I think even if you don't have previews nominally the outlook on them as an opportunity to continue working on the show is incredibly useful for everybody in the creative process to the point where I would look at if it's a three weekend show for the first two weekends you know or just yeah exactly they're the previous and to the other people in the dressing room at the beginning of the third week of performances it's like hey guys happy opening we've, <laughs> we've been doing this for two weeks and here we go we're about to do it for the first time uh, before we wrap up this last episode in the uh, series on phases of rehearsals. Do you guys have thoughts about the value of thinking of uh, the rehearsal process as something that evolves through multiple phases? Yeah, I mean, we've talked on podcasts before about the idea of goal-oriented rehearsing, which is very much about like coming in with a plan for that day that accumulates over time to add up to something more than the sum of its parts. Uh, and for me, thinking about rehearsals in this phase format uh, is just a larger version of goal-oriented rehearsing. I, as the director, know that by the end of the table work, I, we need to have accomplished A, B, and C to prepare ourselves for the next part. Uh, and without, those, without that framework or format, 
yeah, you could get stuff done, but I don't really know what you're working towards or for or to, or how you can know if an actor is ready to take the next step. Uh, you know, you don't want to push them off the cliff into the ocean. You want them to dive gracefully into the next section of rehearsal. Uh, and without kind of these benchmarks as guides for myself, uh, I personally would feel very lost and incapable of knowing what to do next. And that idea that without it, I think that's actually incredibly well put. And to be candid, is something I've discovered a little bit for myself over the, over the course of these five episodes. But that idea that, I think it does feed into that idea that you're not, otherwise you're just at the first day of rehearsal trying to prepare for opening night. And how can you possibly know what you're going to need on opening night on the first day of rehearsal? But if you're preparing for the next rehearsal and the next rehearsal and the next rehearsal, and certainly within that prayer to be ready for the next phase of rehearsal over these next over these four or five or six rehearsals, it just gives you a way to digest uh, the process for yourself. You'd be more efficient. I mean, it really gives you a way to prepare for opening night. So it's an awareness of this is what I'm building to, but I'm breaking it down into these phases in order to be able to do that detail work that I'm not burdened with opening night on day one of rehearsal, but because I'm aware of it, I'm able to track where that process is going to go and build to something that will get me to where I need to be by that point. And in terms of that, that arc to come into rehearsal on the first day and trust that I have this whole process ahead of me and that I don't have to be preparing for opening night right now but that I'm going to get step by step everything that I need in order to be ready on opening night to play the whole arc of the play. I think that's a good place to wrap up. If you like what you're hearing and would like to help other people find out about the Cry Havoc podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues that we're out here. And also you can go to iTunes and uh, write us a review or give us stars. And if you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe there. If you want to learn more about the Cry Havoc company, our upcoming public events, educational programs, and ways that you can support our work, visit www.cryhavoccompany.org. You can find us on Facebook as the Cry Havoc Company or on Twitter at Cry Havoc NYC. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions about the podcast, you can email us at podcast at cryhavoccompany.org. So for myself, Jersey, Matt, Jen and everyone here at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.
You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe.